Welcome to Profiles on Nantucket Community Television, Channel 18. I'm Charlie Walters. My guest today is Lamurchi Frazier. She is the Director of Education and Interpretation at the Museum of African American History at both of their campuses. One is in Boston and the other one is here on Nantucket. She is joining me remotely from the sanctuary at the Boston Meeting House, which is the campus in Boston. Welcome, Lamurchi. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for inviting us in. Let's start at the obvious point. For those who don't know about the museum, please tell us about it. The Museum of African American History is, uh, has two campuses it, that are located in Boston and Nantucket. The museum was founded by Sue Bailey Thurman in 1966, as she found these buildings in Boston that comprised the African Meeting House and the ABL Smith School as our campus in Boston. Uh, uh, it is actually located near the State House. And in Nantucket, there is the uncovering of a family home that was built in 1774 called the Boston Higginbotham House. And adjacent to it is a building that was built as an African meeting house, another in 1820, circa 1820, that, that anchored the campus in Nantucket of five buildings. The Florence Higginbotham House was recently restored and the other buildings have followed suit. We are very proud of this museum's treasures that are nationally renowned as some of the oldest and exact houses of uh, gathering spaces for African-Americans that tell the stories, the iconic stories that lead to the end of slavery in America that speak to their building community, that speak to their networking across many avenues of organizations that they purchase land, they strategize to bring us to a point of understanding their contributions to American history. The Museum of African American History is devoted to telling these stories. These African American people are have a birthright, have addresses, and have gathering spaces where they meet to support the solutions to their issues. The Museum of African American History has uh, two Black Heritage Trails that also trace these footsteps of the abolitionist movements in both places in Boston and Nantucket. When we speak of these uh, buildings, we are talking about the embodiment of uh, family activity, of concerts, of cultural life, the sustaining uh, of lives and survivors who have self-emancipated, some of them, some who have been freeborn, some who have come from all walks of life that you can imagine and are engaged in American life from uh, the vantage point of understanding that they were there from the 1700s forward. When we talk about the Museum of African American History, it is these contributions of people who are represented by these buildings and these sites 
and their stories that we want everyone to know. We want it to be widely distributed. And so with that, the museum has a collection of over 35,000 objects um, that are shared in these sites, including that of a collection of archeological uh, items, documents, objects, treaties, programs, and we exhibit these items for people to be able to see, to connect the stories as real and authentic, supported by these documents and objects. As we have exhibits, we also have programs associated with those exhibits that uh, cover children from four years old up and adults in there and look at the important factor of teachers being in these spaces, of bringing their students and sharing this history to elevate the position of American history and expand a narrative that has not included these stories prior to uh, the moments of the 20th and the 21st century. When we look at the Museum of African American History and its uh, proud embracing of the history that gives light to American history, that gives stories that have been hidden, that have not been told before, we are now emerging as not being hidden anymore. We're looking at telling these stories of a vibrant uh, history, of, especially in, in Nantucket, of the story of the people of a community called New Guinea that begins in 1774 with the uh, manumission of a formerly enslaved man, Seneca Boston, and his wife, Wampanoag indigenous, thankful Micah, that purchased that property that is the anchor building in 1774 of uh, the museum site there. They have a family, uh, one of which the siblings, Absalom Boston, becomes the first whaling captain of, uh, who is an African-American, has the ownership of his own vessel that takes out 200 men and comes back and returns with all of them. Let me stop you right there just so people will know where New Guinea is in Nantucket. If, they, if you know where Five Corners is, you know where New Guinea is, right? Yes, at York and Pleasant Street, where right. that uh, intersection is, is where this fabulous campus of a African meeting house that was built um, by people who, it is evident when you walk in it, were mariners who understood uh, boat building. Uh, as it looks like it is an upside down boat inside. Um, when we, we look at the campus, we know that these buildings had um, uh, events in them. We know that there was activity that traversed the property there at York and Pleasant that was about uh, changing the dialogue of uh, American freedom. That was about including people who uh, had things to say about their own individual freedoms and then a collective identity of being African as they name the African Meeting House, the African Meeting House and their community, New Guinea. They were sharing who they were. They were embracing who they were. And as they received guests in that community, like Frederick Douglass, who comes to speak in 1841 at the Anthenaeum, uh, at an anti-slavery convention in Nantucket. 
He returns five times, I am told, and he negotiates his some of his dealings in this community. He uh, sups with them and uh, talks with them in this community, in that African meeting house, and in some of the houses of New Guinea. The anchor of what this museum represents in the ability to tell a robust story of African-American life and family life uh, is very important to, uh, to understanding the significance of what this means, that the human fleshing of the bones of who our African-Americans are and what is generally referred to has specific meaning here as they have their own addresses, their own space to define themselves and to operate as human beings. The political arena is one in which they engage. The religious community is one in which they engage. They're pressing for integrated education rights is a very significant in their, pro, their petition to the Massachusetts legislature, legislature that was uh, pressed in 1845 when Nantucket schools were integrated. All of these important events help us to understand that freedom is not free. It is with cost and it is with sacrifice and it is with contributions of people who care about where they are and advance their notions of citizenship. Now, not too far from the, uh, the African meeting house on Nantucket is the colored cemetery, so designated. Uh, I don't know if that's actually considered New Guinea or not, because it's a couple of blocks away. And it, it's kind of behind the hospital. But can you tell us about that? Is that part of the walk? It is a part of the trail, the Black Heritage Trail, in that um, citizens of New Guinea are buried there. If you go into that uh, cemetery, you will see presence of uh, gravestones that mark people like the Bostons who were active in actually helping to found the community that became a mark of industry, that became a mark of purchasing real estate, that became important in understanding that they knew that property was a part of what their existence would be in terms of their empowerment. As the indigenous people were being divested of their property in Nantucket, the African-American uh, community of black African descended people were purchasing property. And upon that um, basis, they, they began to uh, really anchor and uh, secure their lives. And, engage in all forms of life of activity in Nantucket. And many of them are buried in that colored people cemetery that you mentioned. I wanna hear more about the, the Nantucket campus, but I wanna talk just a little bit about the Boston campus too. Now that's yeah. at 46 Joy Street, which as you say is near the State House. It's only a couple of blocks away from the State House in Boston. Uh, first of all, when you go in there, what will you see? You've talked about documents, but um, can you zero in on what we'll find if we go in there? First of all, our treasured artifacts are the African Meeting House and the ABLC, 
Smith School in the Boston campus. These buildings you will see first are brick and mortar. Uh, the African Meeting House was built in 1806 and it has palladium windows. It has wonderful space that when you walk into the sanctuary of the African Meeting House, you know that you are in sacred space. You know that there were people who built this by the hands of black carpenters who loved beautiful things, who had an aesthetic for the buildings, who had an understanding of the physics of sound as the ceilings in the buildings are arced to carry sound when there were no microphones even existing yet. Um, they loved beautiful lights as the, uh, the uh, scones uh, on, the, on the walls are lit with beautiful lanterns. When we look at the African Meeting House here in Boston, we see a dais where important people spoke. Frederick Douglass, William Lloyd Garrison, Wendell Phillips, abolitionists, um, and the first woman to speak in public who was of a who spoke of in a political vein and in a moral vein was Mariah Stewart. She spoke in the African Meeting House in 1833. So the building not only is a physical structure, but it embodies the spirit of people who were actually fighting for uh, the right to exist and to exist well and to end slavery. When you come into these buildings, you feel that presence. You see floors that are even older than the building itself as they understood the uh, aspect of recycling um, boards and recycling lumber and building materials. There was a church that had a fire in Boston and they used those boards, which are now at least 275 years old, uh, for the boards of the floor. A restoration project that was conducted between 2005 and 2011 restored the African Meeting House to its 1855 beauty. And that restoration project uh, makes this, this, this place a, uh, the oldest exant church of African Meeting in the country. So this treasure artifact is one of our most blessed uh, uh, edifices in the country for the discussions about social justice, socials and uh, restorative justice, if you will, and racial equity. Both campuses in Nantucket and in Boston speak to uh, race equity and social justice. And as we ponder that in the 21st century, we can see buildings that are founded for gathering for these conversations gatherings for having petitions, gatherings for community building, gathering for education for adults and children. On the same campus in Boston is a building erected in 1835, which is the first school in America actually built for the purpose of housing a public school for black children. It's called the ABL Smith School. It actually began as the African school in the home of one of Beacon Hill's residents, uh, Primus Hall, in 1798. That school becomes 
housed in the African Meeting House after it is built in 1808 and continues as the African school until there is a merchant, a white merchant who donates money for the building of the school. And it is then called the Smith School that actually manifests itself in 1835 as the ABL Smith School. This school becomes the site of a case for school integration. In 1849, Sarah Roberts versus the city of Boston is a, a case that uh, is uh, actually the verdict becomes separate but equal by Judge Lemuel Shaw. And it is the case that is cited in Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896, and then becomes overturned by Brown v. Board by 1954, almost 100 years of the discussion of school uh, integration and the rights to have your taxes applied to your children's education. And to think that this school is the site where that Jim Crow conversation begins makes this site a very significant um, place of understanding and learning about the fight for freedoms in America. And so this, these two sites, these two buildings on this site in Boston are germane to us understanding how African American community gathered, how they presented agency for themselves, owned property and used that property to uh, elevate their networks with other places like New York, Philadelphia, Maine even, and other spaces where abolitionists were coming to the clarion call of ending slavery. As we approach the Civil War, these places become even more significant in terms of the strategies to recruit uh, the regiment, uh, the first Black regiment in the North to be raised to fight in the Civil War on the Union side, the 54th Volunteer uh, Regiment. And as we think about how these buildings as gathering spaces had many discussions that led to people being protected, people's freedoms being secured, their, uh, their employment, their housing, their food, their care, being a process of rebuilding as they came to Boston as a destination from places where they were enslaved, we cannot even estimate the value of what these mean to the force of uh, freedom in American history. When we think about the people who spoke here, the people who uh, graced these halls, the children who learned here, and their plight against almost insurmountable odds to then even elect people to office after the Civil War is over, as early as 1866. It's astounding. It is something that is really exciting to me to understand and witness, as most of us don't understand the continuum of American history and the contributions of African Americans to that American history that needs to be known by our children so that we guard and protect not only our freedom, but our hope. Before we move on to the Nantucket campus, uh, tell us when the Boston campus is open. The Boston campus is open 
from 10 to 4, Monday through Friday. And that's 46 Joy Street, which is very conveniently located. It is not yeah. hard to find at all. Yes, it's near the State House. So Correct. if you need that mark, you will find it. It is behind the State House on Joy Street. Now on to Nantucket uh, at Five Corners, uh, York Street. Uh, what will one find there? They will find five buildings, one of which is the Boston Higginbotham House that was built in 1774 by a manumitted uh, African-American man, Seneca Boston, and his indigenous Wampanoag wife, Thankful Micah. It was a family home. Uh, Seneca Boston was a weaver and a seaman. Um, registered in the, the deeds of the town is his profession as a weaver. Uh, so there was a shop on the property that uh, we understand that he used for his, his weaving um, trade. We also know that Nantucket was a place of uh, sheep rearing. So there was plenty of material for him to weave and he was involved in that industry. As we think about the Florence, the, the Boston Higginbotham House, we're thinking of a family home that existed and has existed for over 200 years, except for one year when it was occupied by uh, a single person. When we think about the significance of that family, of the Boston family, to the founding of New Guinea in uh, Nantucket, we know that they were the co-founders of the African Meeting House that is adjacent to the Higginbotham House on that campus. And that there was a, a garage and a bike shop. And there were five buildings on this campus that have now uh, gone under restoration and are now uh, ready for people to come and see and understand what happened in, all, in these places. The African Meeting House um, held meetings and concerts and dinners. And there was school that was conducted there for black children. The value and the importance of this Nantucket campus leads us to understand that there were important decisions being made by abolitionists who met in that house, who had strategies, because not everybody in Nantucket was about uh, slavery ending. There were those who profited from its continuance. By and large, though, the abolitionist community that existed in Nantucket was insistent upon leveraging and protecting people's freedom. So the, the New Guinea community is engaged in all manner of business in the town. And as the, the property becomes uh, uh, owned by Florence Higginbotham from the, the, the Higginbotham house. She also is a person who gleans the presence and gathers people together in that house for the continuance of uh, its function in the 20th century. It is through her auspicious and that of her son that the Museum of African American History obtains that property not being aware of it being a, uh, an 18th century home until it was un uncovered by the architects who helped to restore the building. 
it becomes a marker of family activity and life that is um, invaluable to us understanding the wholeness of the human beings that uh, occupy these spaces. So the Museum of African American History is dedicated with this collection to tell these stories that are numerous. There's so many that we will never exhaust it, I am sure. And as the descendants of those who come to visit and revisit what their ancestors have put into these spaces, we are very proud that we have these buildings and keep them as national treasures and restored places for the visit, the reimagination, and the dedication to racial equity and social justice on Nantucket. Well, there are still things going on uh, on that Nantucket campus today. And I can recall, for example, it was either two or three summers ago, I think, there was a ragtime piano concert. <laughs> yes. Uh, which was fabulous, by the way. Um, uh, what else goes on in there? There have been uh, lectures. We have an annual Spriggs uh, lecture that is named for Frank and Betty Spriggs, who were uh, very uh, active activists on Nantucket, uh, residents who uh, even served a political office there. Betty Spriggs was a manager of uh, the campus of the Museum of African American History and dedicated to them is a lecture that is held annually. We just had uh, one of the lectures and the author and lecturer was uh, Barbara White, who has written uh, several books that are available through the Nantucket Historical Association. That Spriggs lecture has uh, given much information over the years uh, since uh, 1999 to those who uh, want to know more about African-American life in Nantucket and its contributions. We also have ongoing programming that features poets, features concerts and musicians, um, topics that are presented by archeologists who have excavated the property. Uh, those have continued from 1995 on forward to uh, give some rise to understanding the actual real evidence of the life that is buried in the soil of that uh, campus in Nantucket. We have had students who come from uh, various universities to study archeology span and to study the site and campus and to study um, what the documents uh, the museum can present to them to understand more about this history and telling a fully orb story. There is a, an Ames Fellowship that is funded and operated through the University of Massachusetts uh, in Boston, where scholars take a subject, are granted a fellowship, and they pursue research to better understand different aspects of African-American life uh, funded by uh, the money that is an endowment from a Black dentist who lived on Nantucket. So um, our prospects for programming that will continue will be talks by authors, there will be uh, special celebrations, there will be documentaries and films presented, 
there will be uh, an annual, what we call the White Night Party, that will be a fundraiser for uh, the museum in an ongoing basis. So as we look at the future of programming for Nantucket, we want to also extend the invitation, not only to um, our visitors as audience, but also to educators to explore more about this campus and what it means to uh, American history and how uh, more stories about people where there are those who see themselves reflected in the industry and the contributions of these people will then also contribute their contributions. So as history is a lifelong continuous study, the Museum of African American History on Nantucket is a participator in that arena. As we see the foundational reasons for uh, this thing called freedom, uh, being illusory, illusory and being always challenged and being always at the forefront front of what we should be doing, we have our young people and their teachers visiting that space and figuring it out. This, was, this is what eventually will become uh, a great canon of, uh, of history here in New England. So Nantucket and its contributions for more than 200 years of the existence of Black life and Black family life are what we hope to engender people to understand, to embrace, and to pursue by coming to the sites in Nantucket. I want to mention just in passing very quickly that uh, the, the museum was involved in the installation of a plaque uh, commemorating the life of, of Arthur Cooper. That's at the corner of Angola and North Mill Street and um, Mill Street is also there too. But I want to ask you um, to go into some depth about the Stone Book Award. Yes. Uh, the Stone Book Award is an annual award that celebrates authors who are Black for writing stories and writing uh, documents for and about Black people. The awards are made to authors and have been traditionally from the uh, great funding of the Stones Foundation, the Stone Foundation, that would award $50,000 to the winner of uh, the award and to honorable mentions of $10,000 each. The books that are published each year are juried by a professional um, group of jurors chosen uh, to review these books, to read them, to uh, negotiate which ones are uh, most salient at the time and most representative of, of the prize. And it has become a uh, tradition to have them presented at the African meeting houses to talk about their books, to let us in on their genius and their scholarship and why they have written this, why they have written the books that they have written on the subjects that they have written. As we uh, celebrate this year, 
it, the uh, award will be given in October and it is given in October every year. And we will have um, great celebration about the author and the author is interviewed and uh, we are made uh, of, we are made to um, understand more about why they do what they do and why black books are important. The museum houses a 5,000 5, volume collection of books and literature that have been anchored by the 1773 um, publication of Phyllis Wheatley's various poems and subjects, religious and morals, um, published in London. Uh, she couldn't get it published here, but that book gives us the beginning of uh, a literary tradition where Black authors are contributing their thoughts, their research, and their stories to the American canon of literature. The Stone Book Award honors that tradition, and uh, we will have an event in October. So come to www.maah.org and stay tuned for when that exact date will be had. We will be happy to have our audience. Um, we probably will have uh, a hybrid edition of the event, but it will be available and accessible to all. Richie Frazier, thank you very much for telling us about the Museum of African American History. Uh, this has been uh, this has been wonderful. I know you did this on very short notice, and I appreciate you doing <laughs> a good job in the process. I, uh, I hope that if people have questions, that they will contact us. That they will tell us when the Nantucket campus is open. Uh, the, the Nantucket campus is open by uh, appointment and it is, um, will be uh, regaining its regular hours very soon. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate your doing this. You're welcome. And thank you for having us on behalf of the, the board of directors of the museum, its CEO, Leon Wilson and the staff. We're so happy that you asked us in to talk about the museum. For Nantucket Community Television and Channel 18, I'm Charlie Walters. Thank you for tuning in. Please join me again.